a great book on prayer, a very honest book on prayer. And uh, we were talking today as a staff about it. We had actually walked through the book as a staff last year, and I knew that I wanted our church to walk through it this month, and so I'm going back through now a chapter a day. Um, and it's two things. Number one, it was interesting to now go back through it to see how much that has influenced my prayer life from last year, because then you can look back on it to see that. But second thing is, man, I, I enjoy immersing even more and to say, God, how much more can I glean in the area of prayer? Um, so I just encourage you jump into that. And I did start speaking from it on Sunday by covering the first section, which begins by helping understand how we should pray. That's what I was covering, how we should pray. And to pray, we must become like little children who spend time with and talk with our Heavenly Father. That's how it starts. We've got to go back to that childlike faith, spending time with and talking with our Heavenly Father. And then last night, I showed how we must learn to trust again by following Jesus out of cynicism. We have to follow Jesus out of cynicism. So the opposite of childlike faith is a cynical spirit. And so that's not what we want. So we need to follow Jesus out of cynicism. And so now tonight, what I want to do is cover part three from a praying life of learning to ask your father. Learning to ask your father. You see, Jesus makes some pretty bold statements regarding prayer. Here's some of them. He says in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. That's a bold statement. And then he says in John 16, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Ask and you will receive. Those are bold statements in prayer. Six different times Jesus says, ask and I will give it to you. So what do we do with these bold statements of Jesus? It's a question we should ask. Jesus' brother James, he helps us. So the book of James, he's the brother of Jesus. He gives this great verse, and I think he helps us with understanding these bold statements. He describes two dangers in asking. There's two dangers. The first is to not ask. So Jesus says ask. So the first pitfall we fall into is we don't ask. So that's the first part. Here's what he writes in, in James 4.2. So verse, if you want to look up James 4, 2, and 3, these are the, the two different sides of, of dangers of asking. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You don't have because you don't ask. And then the second danger is in asking selfishly. James continues, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So we could either not ask or we ask selfishly so we need to ask and ask unselfishly. That's what we need to do in prayer. Jesus' prayer at Gethsemane, it demonstrates perfect balance. This is a great example for us. He avoids not asking by, here's what he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. So he makes the request. He makes the petition. But in the very next breath, Jesus avoids asking selfishly by surrendering completely. Because he says, yet not what I will but what you will. That's a great balance. He asks, but at the same time, he surrenders. Jesus doesn't use his ability to communicate with his father as a means of doing his own will. He submits to the story that his father is weaving in his life. How many of us can say that? Are we submitting to the story that God the Father is weaving in our lives? And so this is the secret to a praying life. You can pray boldly by surrendering completely. That's really the point tonight, that you can pray boldly by surrendering completely. And so the first point is, is that you can pray boldly for your daily bread. 
You can pray boldly for your daily bread. Daily bread just represents those daily needs. As you read through our weekly prayer requests, so those requests that we get in, if you're on the prayer team or if you're on that email list that you get to see those requests that come out every week, uh, you could have received those today. Most of them, if you look at them, they're limited to sickness, joblessness, or kids in a crisis. Those are kind of like the top three things. Yet Jesus' prayer for daily bread was an invitation for us to bring all of our needs to him. Every need that we have, we can bring to Jesus. He says, pray for your daily bread. When translated, give us this day our daily bread, what it's saying is, is God, give us provision for today and the confidence that it's going to be there tomorrow. That's really what the prayer request is. And here's what's interesting about daily bread. Often our need for daily bread, it can open doors to deeper needs for real food. Uh, We see this often. Somebody comes looking for a tangible need, but all of a sudden it opens the door for them to seek out deeper spiritual needs. In other words, when we see how God provides for our daily resources, we begin to seek him for satisfaction for the deeper needs that we have in our life. The need for an eternal savior, the need to be free from fear of death, the need to be reconnected with our creator, the need for a father's approval. God desires to meet all of these needs, and it all starts with boldly approaching him in prayer for our daily needs. God wants our material needs to draw us into our deeper soul needs. God wants us to be a part. He wants to be a part of all the decisions that we make. And this is what it means to really abide, to occlude him in every aspect of our lives. So when we talk about abiding daily, what that is saying is, is that God is a part of everything that's happening in your life. But this really isn't our default. Too often, when we need advice, we find a wise person, we ask him or her a question, and we listen to the answer. That's oftentimes our default. It rarely occurs to us to do this with God. But why? Because we don't know how God's going to answer. We don't hear an audible voice, so we dismiss the possibility of God speaking into our lives. But the greatest wisdom you could have is to have answers from God. The greatest wisdom you can have is is to have answers from God. Uh, A daily prayer that I pray over Nate, Haley, and Lucas as we, uh, they take off to school in the mornings. And I just, again, I I believe in praying scripture. You know you're praying God's will when you pray scripture. And it says that Jesus grew in stature and wisdom and in favor with God and man. So that's a scripture prayer for my kids. God, help them develop physically. God, help them to develop in wisdom. Help them to find favor. But when I pray for wisdom, here's the definition of wisdom. Wisdom, as we look at when Solomon says that he was asking for wisdom, it says really the best translation is he was asking for a God-listening heart. So that's really what I pray. I say, God, give Nate, Haley, and Lucas God-listening hearts. I mean, think about it. He's, he, he has all of the wisdom. So if we have God-listening hearts, then we can be wise. True wisdom is to have a God-listening heart. So pray boldly for your daily bread. Include God in every part of your life. If you need a job, pray for it. If, if you're looking to buy a car or a house, make it a matter of prayer. If you need resources to cover the cost of utilities, pray. Include God in everything. And as you do, you will begin to establish a praying life. And it's okay to seek out the advice of others, but be sure to pray and ask God for wisdom. Ask him for a God-listening heart so that you might acquire real knowledge about every area of your life. To pray effectively, we must learn to ask boldly for our daily bread. And you can pray boldly for God's kingdom to come. In God's kingdom, it's best defined as wherever God rules. 
So then, where do we need God's kingdom to come? Wherever his rule has not been established. We need God's kingdom to come into the lives of others. We need God's kingdom to come into our lives. And we need God's kingdom to come into the world. When we pray for God's kingdom to come into the lives of others, a spouse, a child, a co-worker, a family member, what we should be praying for is that, that be, they become more like Jesus. That's what we should be praying. God, help them to become more like your son. Uh, that actually is my goal. Whenever somebody is coming to seek counsel and they're, they're asking about a question or um, some kind of decision they're having to make or maybe they're dealing with a situation, usually what I try to look for is, number one, where can you see God's activity Let's pray that they have eyes, you know, develop eyes to see what Jesus is doing. And then to see how is God wanting them to grow, where they may be not displaying Christ's likeness that they could. And could they grow in that area to become more like Jesus? So we make the situation a matter of prayer. And however that person is not looking like Jesus, we talk about what Jesus would look like in this situation. And we pray that he exhibits a Christ-like character. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're just simply praying, God, help that person look like Jesus. The goal is Christ-likeness. And it should be the goal for all of us when we're praying for others. God, may your kingdom come, may your rule enter into fill in the blank. May they enter into their life where it's absent. May they become more like you. And when we pray for God's kingdom to come into the lives of others, we realize, here's what happens, we need God's kingdom to come in our lives as well. You know, but we don't want to pray for change for ourselves because we don't want to admit that we need to change. We often stop there. I mean, can you imagine praying this? God, this morning, I feel irritable. Would you help me be kind? Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Probably not. That's not, where, that's not our go-to, right? It's difficult to see our attitude because the problem isn't us. It's all those other idiots, right? Come on, we know it. That's who we start praying for. We start praying, oh God, and Tim, I'll pick on you, help Tim become like Jesus. It has nothing to do with us, right? And Tim, I'll still pray for you to be like Jesus, man. (laughs) That's what we want. But we all need God's rule established more firmly in our lives. And talk about a prayer God will answer. God, help me to be kind. Do you think God wants to answer that? Absolutely. It's unselfish, and it's an ask. It It fits those two qualifications. We're asking, and it's an unselfish prayer. And we need God's rule in our world. Most of the time, we just whine about things in our culture that we don't like. Are we praying about it? We like to vote our problems away. That's not the answer. Uh, It doesn't seem to occur to us to pray that culture itself will change. We need to pray that God's rule be established in areas where it is not. God, may your kingdom come in the Middle East. May your rule be established in the hearts of our government leaders, in Washington, in Indiana, in the greater Lafayette area. God, may your kingdom come in our schools, on the Purdue campus, in the neighborhoods and homes of West Lafayette and Lafayette. We need to pray for God's kingdom to come into our culture. You can pray boldly for God's kingdom to come. The last point tonight is is that you can pray boldly by surrendering completely to God's will. You can pray boldly by surrendering completely to God's will. To understand why we must pray for God's will to be done we need to understand just how strong our will is. We really need to start there. You know, we'd like to think strong wills are only for the two-year-old class, Um, but adults have strong wills as well. How many know that? Come on. And here's the problem. At the center of self-will is me, is you, carving a world in our image. 
That's our default. But at the center of prayer, so as we enter into prayer, who's at the center of prayer? God is, carving us in his son's image. That's the power of prayer. Many people wonder about the will of God. I've heard this often. Is it God's will for me to dot, dot, dot? I mean, just fill in the blank. But if we are really honest with ourselves, the great struggle of our lives is not trying to discern God's will. Often that's right in front of us. The issue is trying to discern our wills and then working to disown them so that God's will can be done. That's really the truth. We often know what God's will is. Our struggle is our own self-will that we need to kick out of here and say, okay, God, your will be done. Once you see your will and can move beyond it, then prayer flows. And you realize you have to be praying because you're no longer in charge. Prayer becomes a necessity. Um, I was talking to Shelly. I don't think I've shared this in, in too many areas, so I felt like it'd be worth sharing tonight. But when Shelly and I were coming um, this direction to Indiana, so we met with Pastor Ted, who was the, the previous pastor here. Just turned 70, was it last week? That was fun to see that. Um, we went to lunch with him, and uh, the, the deacons had asked Pastor Ted, you know, ask this couple, Zach and Shelly, if they'd come to the church. And, and the, the initial answer was no. And mostly because we just felt like we've got things going in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, so we're going to keep going that direction. So we're driving back to Indiana. I asked Shelly what her thoughts were, and, and she said, I really feel like we're supposed to turn the car around and go back. And honestly, I knew it. But, you know, let's ask somebody else. Let's not admit it myself. <laughs> and so we're, we drive the rest of the way on to Missouri. Um, and I said, well, let's just, you know, sleep on it, wake up, uh, read and pray, and, um, and ask what God's will is, really. And so we did that, and we just really had, um, we knew it was God's will. I'll just say it. We knew it was God's will, but I needed to disown my own will. And I knew that. And so I called Pastor Ted and said, look, I, I, I really feel like we're at least supposed to make this a matter of prayer and, and talk with uh, leadership about it. And so he said, okay. And so then Leon called me later that afternoon and said if I could send a resume. And so I did that. And then Shelly and I really took a lot of time just over the next probably a month as we were going through the process and having conversations with the deacons, um, just asking the Lord and praying and fasting and, and God, we really want an answer from you. Um, Cause there's implications if we didn't return to the Middle East. And um, the changing point for me is we were, I was taking classes at AGTS and I had scheduled a phone conference with one a pastor in Seattle. And so I was on a Skype conversation with him. I just went into another classroom where there was empty. And after I hung up, I was talking with him all about Jerusalem. So he was wanting to get behind what was happening in Jerusalem because we were still in conversations with the deacons here, but I was still keeping things going there. And, and as soon as I hung up, the Holy Spirit descended on that room in such a heavy way and said, you can stop talking about Jerusalem now. Oftentimes what we need is to identify. What he was saying is, disown your own will and let my will be done. And I knew it. And all I could say is, forgive me, Lord. And jumped in the car drove as fast as I could <laughs> without trying to hit anybody. And I uh, told Shelly, I said, we, we've got to go. This is, we know it's God's will. And not because we didn't want to come here, but because we just have a hard time stepping out of our own way sometimes. How many know that? But can I tell you with great assurance, two years later, and I knew it at the time, I always know following God's will is better. Um, I never have to question that. God's will is always the best. Doesn't he desire good things for his kids? Absolutely. 
And Shelly and I have been tremendously blessed for two years on being able to just love on all of you in this room and, of course, others that aren't here tonight. Uh, what a joy. God's will is always the best. So can I encourage you as we pray tonight, figure out whatever it is your will is, disown it, let God's will be done in your life where maybe it hasn't been. Allow his kingdom to come, knowing his daily provision will be done. God desires good things for his kids, and we need to look through those lenses tonight as we pray.